Hello, welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm Brandon Wagner, and today we're delving into monsters of the huge and gargantuan sizes. The reason I want to delve into this particular, this group of monsters particularly, is that these are monsters that are generally a higher CR, and that, along with their size, makes them have very... A lot of bulk. They have a lot of hit points. They have generally decent AC. And even if they don't have good AC, they have a lot of hit points. So if your combat encounters are generally just stat blocks versus stat blocks and aren't as dynamic, then fighting these monsters is going to become a drag for your party because it's going to take so long to bring them down. And so what I want to delve into today is using these monsters and having their fights be more dynamic. Just taking advantage of the fact that they're so big that your players can approach fighting them in different ways, in more interesting ways. And you as the DM can design the encounters with these things to uh, encourage that or honestly force it. So we'll start with the very... Uh, the very simple is the giants. Giants are huge. Um, most not non-true giants, you know, trolls, ogres, uh, cyclops, uh, fomorians, those are all uh, large size. Fomorians and cyclopses are uh, huge. Dire trolls from uh, Tome of Foes are huge, or sorry, are yeah, are huge, not large. So they stand, you know, 15 to 20 feet tall. So having your players just run up with weapons and start hitting them with them won't really do that much for you. You know, you start thinking about these kinds of monsters, and it's a matter of... Um, yeah, you wouldn't be able to just run up to a giant with an axe and bring it down. I mean, sure, you could eventually kill someone by chopping out little chunks of their leg over and over and over again until they die, but it'd be a long process. So giants are an example of having your fight go in phases. So for the first phase of the fight, the giant is standing. Your players are attacking. Players with melee weapons are attacking its legs, Players with ranged weapons are going for its, you know, arms and chest and head. And as it takes damage and it gets weaker from getting hurt, at a certain hit point threshold, whether it's half or two-thirds or something like that, it goes down. It goes down to, to a knee. So you're making it easier for your players because now it doesn't isn't able to move as well or at all. And... You have, um, you know, you you brought it down. So the players with melee weapons are able to attack its its body proper and at its head. So having your fight be in phases like that means that taking on a giant becomes more dynamic. Your your players are attacking. You're like you're swinging at it, and you're as you're describing the scene. You know, your your barbarian is hacking at the at the giant's greaves it's wearing armor on its legs and you're 
your barbarian is attacking. You're like, all right, you hack at its legs, trying to bring it down. And it's tough, so it takes a while. It's wearing armor. And eventually you're able to wound it enough that it, it one of its legs gives out and it drops down to a knee. And now you can start attacking it at its more vulnerable bits. Um, alternatively, if your players want to get more creative, then you can skip the first phase and enter that second phase early with the giant having more hit points by being creative with trip wires. Um, maybe they set up a trap. They know they're going to be fighting a frost giant somewhere, so they set up an ambush for it. So they set up like a trip wire, and your players run out and harass the giant and then run away. The giant chases after them. The players don't even have to duck. They just go right under the trip wire. Giant runs right into it and gets brought down, and now your players are attacking it. This makes your fight more dynamic, A, in that they are not just hacking and slashing and casting spells at the creature, but moving the fight around because they have they have to. They're fighting something that's so big that they can't just go at it with weapons and spells and expect that to yield the results that they want. So they have to make this fight more dynamic. They have to think about it. They have to plan and plot and have their fight move around so they can take advantage of things. And that's when you can also start taking advantage of different heights. That's something I want to talk. I'm going to talk about with a few of the creatures I, I mentioned in this video. If your players are fighting a giant, maybe they approach it on, they climb up onto a large, like a ledge. You know, there's some height difference, so that they are then face to face with the giant, so they can attack it without just being hacking at its knees. Another big, big creature is the Balor demon. Uh, there's a couple demons that have that huge size. Uh, the Balor and the Gorosto. The Gorosto the is a siege demon, so it has this bull head and it get, deals extra damage to structures. And that's what it does. It's basically a giant minotaur. So you have this 20-foot tall minotaur demon that you would have to approach differently. Uh, the Balor is not just based on the Balrog, in the original D&D, it was listed as a Balrog. So the Balor demon, if you, you think about that scene in Lord of the Rings when uh, Gandalf faces off against the Balrog on the bridge, it towers over him. You know, him fighting it alone is a matter of him using his talent as a swordsman and as a wielder of magic in order to bring it down. He can't just... No, nobody else in the fellowship would be able to fight it on its own because on their own because it's just so big i mean yeah it has crazy evil nefarious power as well but mostly it's just so big that they couldn't just it fills the room when it spreads its wings and that's something that you can use when you're describing a balor approaching the party whether they find one summoned in 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 a temple by a cult or they find one that had been slumbering in the earth and had been awoken by deep delving dwarves. I mean, Moria is a great dungeon. <laughs> Definitely don't be afraid to use it. But when it spreads its wings, you can describe that to your players. You know, this hulking humanoid creature rises up. It spreads its wings, the tips touching either side of the cavern that you're in. Its horns... The size of battle axes, its teeth 
the size of swords. As it roars, it fills the room with smoke and fire. You know, you can describe this huge creature and it can become a really interesting dynamic way to have your to describe these big creatures. Uh, ancient dragons are gargantuan. Ancient dragons are humongous. We're talking 100 feet long. Gargantuan is an interesting size because at the very beginning of the Monster Manual, it's describing monster sizes, the gargantuan is a 20 by 20 footprint on a, on a grid or bigger. <laughs> like anything bigger than that is still a 20 by 20. So you've got... You know, on one end of Gargantuan, you've got the Terrasque, which is a 50-foot-tall creature. On the other end of Gargantuan, you've got the uh, the Purple Worm, which is hundreds of feet long. Or the Neolithin, which is Purple Worm-sized. Um, there's a video I saw online once where a, a DM was having his party face off against some kind of old god. And so they started with the camera on the figure for their Goliath Barbarian, and they zoomed out, and you pretty much couldn't even see the figure for the Goliath Barbarian anymore. They had built this huge, glowing figure that was like the size of the table. (laughs) So that's still gargantuan. Um, Ancient dragons are gargantuan, so just running up to one with your weapons and attacking it is almost... It's pitiful. Like, you need magic weapons to fight ancient dragons for a reason. You know, they have damage resistance to everything. That's just an adult. Where's ancient? There it is. You know, ancient dragons don't have damage resistance to uh, non-magic weapons. That's interesting. I would have thought they would have, but maybe that's something you give them just to to show your party that coming at them with normal weapons and attacking them with them is not going to do anything. You know, if and by the time your party is fighting ancient dragons, they probably should have access to some magic weapons, but there has to be running up with a normal broadsword and trying to slay a dragon with it. Maybe a young dragon, but not an ancient dragon that's gargantuan in size. Um, <clears throat> even an adult dragon is like is huge. Like I, I think of the adult dragon as the size of like an elephant, maybe a little bit bigger. And then the ancient dragons are the size of buildings. They're huge. That's how I think of it. I think of an ancient dragon as being like the size of my house. Like when it sleeps and it coils up, it's the size of my house. Um, Another idea you can roll with with those dragons is the idea that dragons don't ever stop aging or growing as they age. Maybe dragons don't die of old age, but they also never stop growing. So you end up with a creature like Smog. Smog's titanic. Um... Or there's another dragon from the Lord of the Rings lore that's the size of mountains. It makes Smog, who is as big as buildings in the city he was attacking, look like a tiny little mouse. Like, 
maybe that's what you do. Maybe there's a mountain somewhere that is not actually a mountain, but it's a slumbering dragon, and it wakes up one day. So you have this calamity. And having gargantuan-sized creatures lets you have these calamitous events that are just monsters moving around. And that's something that you should absolutely consider when you're considering using a gargantuan creature is these things are just so big theoretically can be so big that just them being around is a calamity um dragon turtles are gargantuan and the picture you're given in the monster manual shows one that's probably the size of the boat it's attacking and it's not a not like a canoe it's a ship it's a ship of the line it's huge but Again, maybe they don't stop growing as they age. So you end up with a dragon turtle that's the size of an island or is an island. And how do you, how does your party fight that? Fighting these creatures that are the size of buildings and islands is not something you can just do. Even if you have magic weapons, it's not something you can just run up and hit it with. You have to think about how you're going to engage with this uh creature and that's when you start looking at the multi-attacks that some of these things have like looking at like ancient dragons they have bite claw and tail attacks and of course breath weapons and because they're so big maybe you're fighting an ancient red dragon in the in in its lair so you have this giant hollowed out volcano and a couple of your party members are at the front of the dragon so they're the ones getting targeted with the bite and claw attacks well you have a spellcaster or range attacker behind it that is not quite out of range of the tail because it's so big that maybe your players don't think about it and their squishy wizard is trying to cast spells from a ledge somewhere else somewhere behind the dragon but they weren't thinking and then the tail comes out of nowhere and whoosh whaps him um the tail attack just deals bludgeoning damage but when you're thinking about a gargantuan creature I would absolutely make my players make saving throws when they get hit with the dragon's tail to not get knocked prone. Um, one of the legendary actions that the dra- all the dragons have are a wing attack where they beat its wings and knock things prone and make them take bludgeoning damage from the force. And that's something that you can consider if your players are like exploring and looking for a dragon slayer and they encounter the ancient dragon in the field and they fight it for a couple rounds and then it decides to retreat and it as it retreats it beats its wings and it's not even necessarily attacking them with it but just the action the air displaced by this gargantuan creature beating its wings is enough to knock your players prone I marked the page for golems because golems are large constructs. But I feel like you could adjust their stats a little bit, maybe give them more health, give them more damage, and make huge or even gargantuan uh, sized monsters. You know, maybe your players go to a city and there's a giant statue guarding it. And like, Think like the Statue of Liberty, or I can't think of the name of that statue in Greece of the warrior. But your players approach the city, and there's this huge bronze statue of a warrior in the like just standing on an island in the bay. And then the city comes under attack by something like a kraken, and the statue moves because it's actually a golem. 
you know, having huge or gargantuan golems is not out of the purview of a fantasy world. You know, having these these 100, 200 foot tall statues that just come to life and attack. And the, the stat blocks for golems are a great basis for that, but they don't really describe the scale of that creature. And when you're, that construct, sorry. And when your players are fighting something like that, maybe that makes, you make the encounter almost into a dungeon. You know, if they want to damage this huge bronze statue, they're not going to be able to just run up to it and hit it with weapons, magical or otherwise, or even cast spells at it. But they have to, they have to climb a ladder on its leg. So this thing's moving around and your players have to try to jump onto it and grab onto this ladder and climb it. And then there's like an access port. So now they're inside this statue. And that's where they attack it from. They they attack the the magical batteries inside the golem to bring it down. And all the while, there's smaller constructs inside trying to protect it. So the encounter isn't even with like they're not just they're not really just attacking this golem. They're attacking its core and being attacked by other constructs within. Uh, Krakens are an excellent gargantuan creature. Um, Krakens can be a, like I mentioned earlier, they can be a calamity. Krakens are intelligent and have magic and have cults, and but they don't have to be. If you really wanted to, you could have the Kraken just be a big, dumb sea monster that attacks cities. And that is an excellent opportunity to have your players have a monster attack that is a set piece rather than a encounter. And it's something I would do with... Um, the Tarask as well. So we'll talk about the Tarask and the Kraken together in this context. And it's an idea that's been bouncing around my head for a while, and it mostly is introducing these creatures early in the game. So your players are low level, like tier one. So they're like levels one to five. And you have the you introduce the Tarask or a Kraken, and your players are gonna look at you like you're insane. Like, what are you doing? But you never have them roll initiative. You know, you're you're gonna be like, all right, here's what's going on. The Tarask is attacking the city you're in. And they all start rolling die. And you're like, what are you doing? Oh, we're rolling initiative. You don't need to roll initiative. You're not fighting this thing. You're trying to survive. So now you're now the encounter with the Tarask or the Kraken attacking the port town becomes a survival moment. You know, your players become the characters in Cloverfield or Godzilla. They're just trying to get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> you have this giant monster that no one can really do anything about destroying the city and your players are just going to be like, all right, peace, we're out. So now you have them, you know, trying to escape buildings that are falling around them and get, just get out. They're just trying to get out. And I think that using a Kraken or a Turesque that way is an absolutely not just appropriate way to use those monsters, but a very interesting, engaging one. They become set pieces. Uh, purple worms are interesting because they're just big, dumb, I-eat-everything creatures. Um, like purple worm, they're so big, too. Purple worm tunnels are... used to get around in the underdark like your players might be going through these natural caverns and then find a perfect spherical or not spherical but cylindrical tunnel and like oh well 
Let's go this way. It's a purple worm tunnel. Uh, purple worms are really, really long. They're big enough to swallow horses whole. And they're, like, they are, they, with their multi-attack, they have a bite and a tail stinger. So, again, this becomes, like, when, like I mentioned, you're fighting the dragon. If your players are all on one side, then maybe you don't have that multi-attack. If the, if the players are by the purple worm's head, but not its tail, then maybe you skip the tail attack because no one's near it. But then if someone maneuvers around, maybe they're trying to move to a different angle to cast a spell or something like that, and they're not thinking, wham, tail attack. Uh, the next feature I have marked is the rock. And I only just started reading about it, and I was like, wow, these things are a lot bigger than I thought they were. I knew they were big, but I hadn't thought about how how big. <laughs> The rock, according to the Monster Manual, the rock has a wingspan of 200 feet. Um, or more. So that's a lot. That's huge. This is a creature that's going to swoop down and grab an elephant with one claw. And just, whoop, swing it right up. So this is another creature that, like, how are you going to fight it? Like, yeah, you can shoot spells and range attacks at it. But even then, when they hit it, it's so big. It is so huge. Excuse When you're having your party encounter a rock, whether as a combat encounter or they just see one while they're exploring the mountains, you can make it a big deal because a creature this size is going to... Its presence is going to be known. And maybe your players are just wandering through the mountains and you're like, all of a sudden, there's no sun. And they look up and they see this bird that is just so big, the size of a hill, just flying through the air. Um, it's like a like a freaking bomber aircraft. Just it just blots out the sun because it's flying directly over them, and all of a sudden they're in the shade. And they look up and there's just this titanic bird that heeds them no mind because it is, you know, it's. They're so tiny. It doesn't take notice of them. Um, yeah, it says that rocks ignore towns and forests where prey can easily take cover. It looks for large and slow things like giants, whales, elephants. That's something you could have your your, your players do. Like you're wandering a coastline, and then all of a sudden you hear this huge splash, and you look out into the sea and see this rock just picking up a whale and if you're playing like a high fantasy setting having these kinds of like oh yeah there's a rock in this region and you're like what okay so it's it's stony and then as they're traveling they see just this giant bird and if you're playing a low fantasy campaign then the rock in your world is absolutely a figure of legend you know like this region has this giant bird but no one really believes in it and then your players see it, and it is a big, big moment. Um, Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes has a couple interesting things I wanted to touch on, like the Astral Dreadnought. Uh, the Astral Dreadnought is something your players are very unlikely to fight if you're playing Prime Material ga- games, because it cannot be brought out of the Astral Plane. But it is a Levi- or Kraken-like creature... <clears throat> the size of a red dragon that 
lives in the astral plane and is just massive. Like its its claws are the size of cars. Well, I mean, you can't really use cars to describe it. Well, I mean, you can. Your players know what cars are. The characters don't. But it has. Excuse me. It's just this titanic creature. Um, and finally, four more creatures I want to touch on from Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes are the Elder Elementals. The Elder Elementals are a group of four, obviously, elemental creatures that are gargantuan in size. <clears throat> You've got the Leviathan, the Phoenix, the Elder Tempest, and Zeratan. So, Leviathan is a towering wall of water that drags ships down to the ocean's depths and washes away coastal settlement, settlements. So, think about how big Leviathan is. The image that we get it in Tomophos, it looks like a sea serpent, but it's made of water. And where the dragon turtle was as big as the ship in the image, the image we have for Leviathan has the same kind of ship as a wreck, and Leviathan could swallow it. So when your players are encountering this force of nature, because that's what it is, um, it is a force of nature. It is. It has the ability to just wash away fishing villages and maybe even cities and ports because it's so it's so big. Having your players encounter Leviathan, whether they're at sea or on the elemental plane of water, or somebody has summoned one that has been terrorizing a particular ocean, um, it's just, it's so massive in scale it's hard to describe because it's, it can appear to a city as a tidal wave. It just washes it away. Fighting this thing is something that maybe you don't do. And like with a lot of the other gargantuan monsters, maybe you as the DM use Leviathan as a set piece rather than as a thing for your party to fight. Because it is just, it's just so big that just the thought of combating it is asinine. Uh, next we have uh, the Phoenix, which is like a rock-sized firebird. At least I would imagine it's the size of a rock. And it's not like Harry Potter where you can just, you know, have it on your shoulder like Fox. No, it's it's titanic. It is a gargantuan-sized firebird. And having something that big, the, the heat it would give off, you'd have to imagine that just having one nearby, you'd notice it. Um... The stat block for it has its fire form, making creatures within five feet of it take extra fire damage. Um, I would say I would make it bigger. I would say this thing is so big and so hot that you can be within 10, 15 feet of it and feel that heat and take damage from it. Uh, next we have the Elder Tempest, which is... A giant storm um that's it's just this big cloud snake that uh has lightning and thunder 
in its body because it's made of storm made of storms. Um how like how would you fight it? How would you describe combating this thing? Because it is just a storm. You're fighting weather with the elder the elder elementals. Um and then finally Zeratan is a giant rock turtle thing that could be a living mountain. Um there's a secret boss in Final Fantasy 15 that is a turtle like Zeratan and there's this mountain that you can find and it moves because it's the back of the turtle and this is a creature that all of these gargantuan sized creatures are things that they're just forces of nature when they walk there's earthquakes when they fly over a city they drown it in rain uh the phoenix flying overhead rains ash and fire upon the city. Think, think in uh, Godzilla, uh, King of Monsters, when, I don't remember what the Firebird monster's name is, but it flies over the town and just burns it away. So, huge and gargantuan creatures offer you as the DM an opportunity to make, to increase the scale of your fights with these creatures two epic proportions you know maybe if you are fighting a even an ancient dragon your players have to go shadow the colossus on it and climb its body to attack it because just swinging weapons at it from the ground isn't gonna do anything and it requires you as the dm to do quite a bit of extra work and bookkeeping in saying all right where are you attacking it because if you're just swinging a weapon at its paw it's not going to do anything and if you want to attack it somewhere else you have to get into a position to be able to and it it, so it requires a lot of extra work from you as a dm but if you put in that extra work if you take that time to think about you know different elevations so that your players can actually attack this creature and hit it somewhere that counts and think about having your fight go in stages or them having to use these magical or even mundane means to bring a creature that size low so that they can do something to it, then that's something to think about and keep in mind. And doing that extra work as a DM can, and I think will, give you a much more memorable encounter. And fighting a giant a huge or gargantuan creature, fighting a creature that's anywhere between 20 and 100 feet in size can will be memorable no matter what. But you have an opportunity to make it extra memorable. You have an opportunity to create an encounter that your players are going to talk about for a long time because of like, hey, remember when we fought that Empyrean and we had to, we were standing on these floating rocks because we were in this celestial place and we had to stand on these floating platforms and attack the Empyrean from it. And you know, like when the barbarian would swing his axe, the 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 platform would fly forward so that he could land a hit and then it would fly back. But you create these you use the fantasy medium to create these epic scale encounters, even with a single creature. And even when your players are a really high level that can be something that is it's a it's a great way to make those encounters work for those higher level 
players. Because, you know, a 20th level player has a lot of magic items and a lot of really powerful features, especially if they aren't multi-classing. So they have all the way up to the 20th level features. And... Ouch. And... You can use changing the way you approach these fights to make them harder for those high-level players, but also more memorable because they're not just memorable because they're not going to be able to just go, all right, zap. Or, you know, the fighter's not going to be like, all right, I can kill this in two turns because I can attack a thousand fucking times. But, yeah, having using huge and gargantuan monsters gives you an opportunity to really play with the set piece of your, the set, the setting of your encounter, the way your encounter progresses because it's just, it's such a grand scale. And I think that if you really take the extra time to think about those encounters and how you're going to run them, you have some great opportunities for those, that scale of combat. Uh, That's all I got. Sorry, I rambled a little bit towards the end, but I had a I had a lot of ideas that were kind of hard to get out. So sorry for the longer episode, but that's all I've got for today, and we'll see you next week.